Hey guys, it's Josh and welcome back to the Not So Bad Bachelor Pad, your favorite podcast for learning how to balance between being a raging dumpster fire and a functional adult. Joining me today, we have Zach Beach. Uh, Zach, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Josh. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. Love the intro. Of course. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me on. So I'm happy to be here. And I don't know if I should give the long story or the short, but I'll just start with the short that I'm an author, a poet, a love coach, a yoga and meditation teacher. And my life mission is to bring more love into the world. Hey, kudos on earning all those titles. <laughs> like that, that is a man of many hats right there, um, which is great, you know. Sometimes I wonder what qualifies me to, you know, at what point does it, do you become a writer, for example, right? And right. then I'm like, this, you become a writer when you stare at a word for like two hours and then finally throw your computer across the room and decide that you're done with what you have been writing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, listen, everybody thinks that like a, deg a degree makes you an expert. That's not true. Mm. <laughs> what makes you an expert is the fact that you've done something so long that you question your your sanity you oh know? yeah <laughs> that's when you know you made it when like you've been following your passion so much you hate it <laughs> exactly exactly where are you calling from I I know we talked about a little bit where you're from from but where are you at right now in I'm world? in San Francisco right now I gotta stop having these people on who have better weather weather than we do. <laughs> <laughs> we we went from like ninety six last week to a nice. I can't complain. I can't complain. It's like still like sixty eight. It's, yeah. it's not it's not warm, but it, it's better than cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always funny when I talk to people from more northern places because they're like, "Oh, it's springtime and the snow has finally melted, and we're starting to see green." And I'm like, "Really? You don't see green all the all time year? year round with rivers and mountains and stuff?" And so <laughs> no, no. We we get a we get a lot of white, a lot of white, a little bit of green, and then more white. Yeah. But it's nice to have seasons. It is. It is. Um, I'd rather have them like throughout the year instead of throughout the week. Mm. <laughs> yeah yeah because here in Ohio we will get them all in the same week yeah yeah absolutely yeah first I want to start by asking you since the title of the show is the not so bad bachelor pad kind of what's your relationship status right now Are you partnered unpartnered still trying to figure things out I'm engaged right now congratulations and like, I knew you were going to say that because I've learned everyone says congratulations when you get engaged but yeah. we've literally been engaged for about a year and a half because we've just been procrastinating on the whole wedding thing that's still um, great listen i haven't found a person that i can like stand to be with for more than like 35 days so you're doing okay. a lot better than i can <laughs> or vice versa I guess. should we go into that you know your challenges in relationships right now um, or should we save it for later you know what why not let's just start there we're here i backtrack i think one of the hardest things and correct me if i'm wrong um and being like a love coach or some type of like dating or advising like coaching role type of person is sometimes the people you're with expect you to be clocked in in your relationship meaning they not just be present and active and work on building your relationship but they want you to bring work home with you. Sometimes I feel like I was more of a therapist and coach to my partners than I was mm. a partner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see both sides because like when you are in partnership, you want someone to love and care about you. You don't want them to psychoanalyze you. Yeah. Right. So sometimes, you know, I might be having an argument with my partner and I'm like, well, the research says <laughs> that you should be acting this way because yes. that's what makes a successful partnership. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> and well, it's just like speaking, you know, like <laughs> does not sound great, you know, in any argument. Right. Exactly. So no one, no one wants to like be, you know, be told research or what's right we all just want you know validation and empathy wherever we are and so too i've also had it kind of like turned around against me so like this is i remember an earlier partner i had and they're like you're supposed to be the love guy and what you said didn't sound very loving <laughs> exactly and i was like i was like, okay. I was like that's i was like there are certain hours in the day 
where I'm super loving and super into but my relationship. But I was like, human. but but it's not 24-7. I'm not a robot, you know. I can't yeah. just always be Mr. Perfect. Yeah, you're right. There are some bumps and hills and stuff. But I was like, I so far that's my take on why one of the reasons that I struggle to find lasting connection. Mm. Because they expect you to take your work uh, home with you. Yeah. Mm. And it's especially since we do so much diversity in the show that I had to stop telling people. I like, I tell people I I have a a podcast and like I do certain things, but I I stopped giving specifics because Mm. I noticed there's a change after they start listening and like they hear stories or they hear about all like the things that like people suggest we try and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like, they're like, well, I heard you did this or this person talked about doing X, Y, and Z. And I was like, these are true. I have done some of these things. I don't do some of these things anymore. And some of these situations work for certain people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I'm not about regression. I'm about progress progress you know yeah yeah and so trying <laughs> trying to hold me to those old standards that i used to live by mm. is sometimes uh like kind of suffocating it's like limiting mm-hmm. it's i like, bet it's a source of growth too yeah and when you interview folks and i mean things it, it does it takes me back and i was like wow i <laughs> when somebody literally throws your past back at you I was like, mm-hmm. it's exactly. I, that's the sound I make. <laughs> but also, it does give me the opportunity to see the growth has come um, from just the past couple of years from something I probably did habitually in my younger days to where mm-hmm. I'm at today. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is good for me. But like I said, then it's then it's like a whole ordeal. So that's why I was yeah. like, you know what? I was like, I'm just I'm just gonna tell you, I have a show that I talk about what we talk about is irrelevant some people like it some people don't <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> well you probably know I have this podcast too where I interview therapists and educators and researchers and a lot of times I'm like so my friend is going through this challenge right now yeah or what would you do in this situation or you know, a lot of times people make these mistakes in relationships and it's like me. I've made all <laughs> I those <am> people. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm the same exact way here. It's like, I'm just like, I, I've seen this or I, I've heard, but it's really me. So I, I started just owning, I, I started Some owning say. my shit. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Here's where I'm at right now. What, what do you think? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And, that, and, that, and that's one of the things uh, I talked about with the guests last week. We talked about like owning our shit and personal accountability mm. for how and where our relationships end up, both mm. introspectively and with our partners. Um, so I, I'm a huge believer. I was like, that, and that's one of the reasons I don't always mind having my past thrown in my face is because, or some things I say on the show, because it makes me like accountable to be like, well, yeah, I do. I did say this, or I do believe this, or I don't believe this. There's, there's no scapegoat because <laughs> you literally see me say the word, you know, say the words. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I can't be like, well, that wasn't me. That was some other guy. Nope, it was me. Which is, I think that's really good um, for anybody uh, in a relationship to have, it's healthy, you know, to have conversation. And it's also a test, like I said, it's just, a testament to where you where you've been and where you can go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's i mean that's something that really comes up for me whenever i like i work with couples or when you talk to couples who are on the verge of divorce and then one of them is like you're not the person i married or you know you aren't who i thought you were and it's like i hope so right and that i hope we're always learning and growing and embracing change in our life as we go through different phases as we gain certain wisdom and i do think like with public figures you know because you're a public figure now that you have a public podcast yeah is you know it's very easy to be like oh you're flip-flopping on your ideas or you're contradicting what you said earlier and it's like i hope that we are able to adjust our views when we find new information i hope that we are embracing change i hope that we can look at how we were in the past and say yes that was a mistake that i've made and i learned so much from it 
And that to me is also what's key in relationships because relationships are just mirrors, reflecting back exactly where we need to grow, reflecting back exactly um, our own childhood wounds that are there for our healing and growth so we can go beyond them. But I, I agree a hundred percent. Change isn't necessarily hypocritical, is what I say sometimes yeah. uh, to to my clients. Um, like you said, when you get new information, or just when you've had enough experience, um, we all say we're never going to be like we're never going to do this as a child. But twenty, thirty years down the line, once we actually have to start paying bills, or we enter the workforce, or we we get over the whole cootie phase. We, we do a lot of things we don't, we say we're never going to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's healthy. That's normal. And like I said, that should be held against us because once I feel like once people start holding those ideas or statements against us, they constrain, they limit us um, to being this, this child that we were instead of allowing us to mm. continue to grow and develop, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why, I, and that's why I, I say this. Um, I, I try to have zero expectations at all times, mm-hmm. simply because mm-hmm. the minute we try to force a certain role or idea onto somebody else, that's the minute that we a set ourselves up for disappointment, and b we start to limit or change our our partners. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, there are certain things you should expect, like loyalty and, and trust, but allowing them to be who they are and allowing yourself to be who you authentically are that should be the only exception i mean uh not exception uh only thing you expect in your relationship that way you develop at a genuine and honest pace um instead of you know getting into the situation or the mentality where you're comparing yourself to other relationships Mm. or you're like, like when people say you're not the man I married, I was like, you're right. I'm a more mature version of that person. <laughs> like we're, we're, This isn't a rom-com. We, we can't keep replaying the same episode over and over. There has to be some type of growth or change. It's, it's just natural. It's what humans do. Yeah. And for no, you, ab- yeah. Absolutely. I resonate with so much what you're saying. First off, I wholeheartedly agree that you can't love somebody and try to change them at the same time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It's not even love because right. you're, you're not loving them. You're loving who you want them to be. You're loving a exactly. different version of themselves that doesn't really exist. And we just talked about how people change. And it's true. We're constantly changing. People do change, but you can't change people. And nobody wants to be changed, right? We all want to be loved and accepted and validated for exactly who we are, right? We want empathy with that, whatever challenging experience that we're coming up with. And we definitely don't want our partners to be the ones judging or blaming or criticizing or constantly trying to improve ourselves. But the one one place I'll disagree, because this is my own little pet peeve, because I think expectations get a bad rap. Because I I know the big reality, the big equation, everyone knows that expectations minus reality equals disappointment. And if you live in a world of expectations, you're going to live in a world of disappointments. But for me, it's it's like perfectly normal to have an operating model of the world as to how it's supposed to work and to have a certain level of emotional distress when that doesn't happen. Like if I'm having a conversation with my friend, I fully expect them to not slap me in the face, right? It's like a perfectly reasonable expectation in a relationship to be treated with kindness and honesty and respect and to have certain expectations around what behaviors you're going to experience in your relationship so that when the uh, behavior does not act in accordance with being treated with, say, love and kindness, respect and honesty, then you're like, huh, my expectations weren't met. And I have a need now that I'm going to express to my partner, you know, in a nonviolent way, for example. So I do think it's totally normal to expect the sun to rise tomorrow, to expect your partner to tell you the truth, to expect to be treated with respect, and to have some reasonable emotional response when those expectations are met so that you can then communicate them or hit the mark better uh, in your relationships in the future. Well, when you, when you, when you look at it from that angle, I agree. It completely makes sense. And I guess there, there, there are a lot of things that I call like, um, like you said, in a perfect world, 
um, <laughs> is what I call it. In a perfect world, like well, we just assume we may, we have that assumption that like this is healthy. So everything that is healthy, I just have the assumption that like, it's already implied. So like you were saying, like not well. I don't know. Me and my friends are kind of spicy. So like a slap in the face could eat like it, it's like we're a little bit of a telenovela like around here. So a slap in the face could yeah. end it. But like, you know, but it's never malicious. Um, or like, but you're right. There are certain things that you just uh, assume normal in this world. Mm-hmm. And so I could see how expectations are normal in the world. Um, but like you said, it's just the reality piece for me. I, I, I like to mm-hmm. find like I think the seesaw is like the best metaphor ever created because it's all about balance. When there's not enough reality and there's too much expectation, it's not going to be balanced and it's going to, somebody's going to be on the ground. Yeah. You know? Unrealistic expectations are quite prevalent in today's world, particularly in romantic and intimate relationships, right? We have this fairy tale idea around what loving relationships are supposed to be. Yeah. So the average Westerner expectations around loving relationships, they're sky high. Absolutely. So when it, when it, when that reality hits, right? So there's yeah. a huge uh, shift that happens in the relationship. I call it the shift from idealistic love, where you think that you just met the most perfect person ever who's going to complete you in every single way to realistic love where you realize this person that you met is human. They have fears and concerns and childhood wounds and temper and challenges just like you. You bring up a very good point around what makes realistic and unrealistic expectations. And I, and I, and I usually don't fault people for these unrealistic expectations. I fault society, the society uh, that, that we lived in, that we grew up in. Because yeah. for de- not even like years, work hard and you'll get rich. <laughs> for decades, for decades, we've been fed all these ideas, and then like we've been shown them on television and like radio shows. This is what like love looks like. The neo famous like the Brady Bunch, the you know like all these other examples mm. of what healthy or normal uh, roles are in relationships which is completely outlandish if you really think about it like sure these characters they go through a couple moral dilemmas but we only see them from for small sections throughout their whole life but in your relationship you have to be day to day you just can't show up like one day a week and be like today's a good day you know like you you know um i was like no there's a lot of work that goes into it like we said we are human you have ups you have downs and you are tested morally quite frequently, mm-hmm. especially in this social media data age that we live in now. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to be hyper aware of your presence. Mm-hmm. And that's just a whole nother pressure that weighs on you. So it, from mm-hmm. liking your, another person's pictures to sending messages, comments. I mean, there are just so many things that like that just keep, you know, Add, get, getting added to the expectation like <laughs> list but yeah. like it makes it harder like I said to find that balance in our realities um well it's so interesting you bring that up too because social media does paint a very unrealistic picture of what life is because people only put their best, their best photos life. vacation photos like everyone's just trying to put on this perfect face for the world to see and I tell you, like, it's all a farce. Yeah. I live in kind of, I'm kind of really immersed in the yoga world, the new age world, the wellness health, health world, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of digital nomads who take pictures like from working on their laptop next to the beach or whatever. Right. And every time I see that, I'm like, have you ever tried to work like at the beach? It doesn't work. It you can't see your screen. I know how this works. And I've also talked to these people in normal life. And guess what? Their life is not perfect just like anybody else's they have all their own problems just like anybody else's even the couples that you see with all their smiling photos they have their own challenges behind closed doors and it's true that that then creates an expectation that like oh my life sucks and what i see in social media is so much better which is also why there's such an increase of things like depression and anxiety that's associated with social media use because there's that pain of disconnection between like my life feels this way but i see other people's life and they it seems so much better right the, like i tell people the grass is not always greener you know 
I mean, you you may be able to see over the fence to see one blade of grass that looks really green, but once you get over there, that could be the only greenery in the, in a, like a, <laughs> a desert, so to speak. Um, so so don't even think about looking over the fence, you know, just yeah. be happy where you're at, you know, be present, keep that's nourishing. Such a, that's such an interesting thing because I almost want to yeah, change the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side because your neighbor has specifically put up artificial grass right in your line of sight to make you think that their lawn is perfect like yeah, that's basically i was like yeah the turf is always greener okay that's it's not real <laughs> over there it's been it's been uh, critically manufactured to look like that because like going back yep. especially to the instagram and stuff it's not people's best lives it's people's manufactured lives Filter. how many like how many pictures did you really take before you actually put that up on instagram that's the thing it's never the first shot you always take like five or six just in case. And then you like, then you have to edit it and then you put on filters right. and all. Filter. I was like, there, there's, it's manufactured. I was like, we're manufacturing mm. these delusions. Once again, what is happiness? Happiness is something that I talk about a lot with my clients because mm. I was like, get away. Like I said, you have to, you don't have to, it's your life. If you mm-hmm. want, if you want the white picket fence, if you want, the rom-com if you want anything that you've been fed it's your life you I guess you can try to attain that I'm not going to say it's not possible it's really hard I don't think it's maintainable but if that's what you want go for it but if you want a healthier less stress stressful life really think about what happiness means to you like what do you really need to be happy yeah I mean what I'm hearing from you and it ties into our talk on expectations is Part of our letting go of expectations is letting go of societal expectations or parental right. expectations yes. of how we should be living our life and the myths, letting go of the myths that we've been taught about what makes a good life. I often return to this phrase that we spend so much of our lives climbing up this wall only get to get to the top and realize it's the wrong wall. Oh, geez. And so, you know, a huge myth is that, you know, enough material wealth enough monetary gain is, is what's going to provide you the lasting happiness that mm-hmm. that is that you seek and that to me is just one of the biggest myths because it's not true um there's i know lots of people they make lots of money and they're totally miserable yeah and we like our generation is the most comfortable generation of any generation before it you know, sometimes I joke that like you have enough spices like in your cabinet to make a, a king in the 15th century, like head explode. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flavors, yeah. Um, but it's not uh, material wealth that gives us lasting happiness. And I'm a little biased because this is my work in the world. But to me, true health happiness comes through connection, belonging, and authenticity. I think it's funny you say that because our word, so at the start of every year, I say there's a word that I try to fulfill every day throughout the year. 22's word was connection. What does mm-hmm. that mean? How do you live it? Um, like, how do you see connection you. throughout the word? Whether that's connecting with a person, connecting with yourself, the bonds that we create, the relationships, um, how do you work on those? Yes, absolutely. And that I often think of connection as being my work in the world. and. One question prompt I love to offer my students is basically like, what is the modern person disconnected from? And the answer is pretty much everything, <laughs> which is to say, like, with the dissolving of communities, extended family structures, and the increasing individualism of society, we're disconnected from each other. With our cognitive centric world, we live from the shoulders up, we're disconnected from our bodies, ourselves, our hearts, our intuitions, our love, our purpose but even like when you look at the way our food is produced like we're disconnected from the land from nature around us from like where our food comes from and that to me is the ultimate task of modern day society is cultivating that sense of connection with ourselves with each other and with the world around us like you said we're we're in the same space right now we've talked about a lot about like love and connection and a lot of other things but i don't think we've defined like what is love like Hmm. Because I, I feel like it's so different for everybody. So I always have to say, like, what our interpretation of love is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you view love? Like, what's love to you? Oh, well, <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, you know, some 
sometimes I ask people questions like what is blank and they give me descriptions that aren't definitions like what is the sky and I might say the sky is blue I want to begin with a few uh descriptions but then get into the definition or some possible definitions because I do think that love is the reason that we are here on this planet Mm -hmm. I do think that love is who we truly are at our most fundamental essence. I do believe that love is what brings us lasting health and happiness. And all those things are just descriptions. But when I begin to talk about, well, what is love and what does it mean to bring more of it into our life? I often begin with just one of the most fundamental definitions that I kind of take from Buddhist and yogic psychology which is basically that love is a genuine concern for another person's well-being. And even what we call romantic love is just an intensification of that. Or you love your children and that's an intensification of that because you want your children to be happy and to live their best life, right? And I love this definition because to me, it's so key to cultivating an unconditional love for all beings, to expand the circle of our love to more and more people by simply expressing that we want that every human being on this planet wants happiness and whether or not they know how to get it is a different question, but everyone wants to be happy. No one wants to be in pain and we can extend our love to all beings by recognizing their desire to be happy and potentially doing work in the world that seeks to bring more happiness to more people. Yeah. I mean, I've honestly, I've, I've never thought of love in that capacity before, Mm. but I mean, (laughs) So some people think I have a very cynical take on love, but with that definition, it's hard. It's hard. Like that's just a a positive definition, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like it already. I mean, it's, I'm sorry. I just, I like to play devil's advocate. So I was trying to put holes in it, but I was like, there's, there's not a hole to poke. (laughs) It's solid. It's a solid definition. And obviously love is anything. It can be an emotion that we experience. It can be connection, right? Mm -hmm. When you, even when people say, I love sushi or something, like it's because they feel like a deep resonance with whatever it is that they're experiencing. But this definition of love is a genuine concern for another person's well-being taps us into different qualities that love takes on when we do love other people. So if I care about you and your suffering, my love turns into compassion, right? Mm. And a desire for your suffering to be alleviated, for you to be free from pain. If my love touches you and you're doing pretty good in your life, then it turns into what we sometimes call mudita or sympathetic joy or empathic joy or simply joy in somebody else's joy is that I want you to be happy. I want the sources of your happiness to continue. I want your happiness to grow. I mean, like I said, these, these extensions are, you can just see the connection between, you know, love, compassion, joy. Um, And it's so easy to also see how they radiate outwards Mm -hmm. on a positive scale. Because when you genuinely invest into somebody, most times um, they reciprocate it back. And also, this is what I say for like my friends and my family. I was like, I, I want you to succeed. I want you to do better mm-hmm. than me. And then, because that's, that's only going to make me want to do better for myself. You know, like, it's just going to yeah. make everybody want, you know, want to continually to not compete. And that's the thing. It's not compete. Just to genuinely do better and help each other up this mountain that we call life. Because at times it's, it seems like live just living is a whole expedition you know a whole <laughs> journey sometimes yeah you know getting through a work week trying to to make any type of relationship work your own mental stability it just it seems like we're always climbing and sometimes we we lose our grip and we fall a little bit but having somebody there to help just keep keep you up massive oh my god no. that's the thing like that's that's why i mean by like love is the reason that we're here is that you know, none of us can do this alone. And none of us have to do this alone if we're able to find that connection with other people. And I often return to this quote by Ram Das that we're all just walking each other home. We're all just trying our best to support each other. And 
again, kind of tapping into Buddhist psychology, that's the first noble truth is that there is suffering in the world. Yeah. Not that life is suffering, but that just there is suffering. We all suffer in our own ways. I guarantee you, everyone you've ever met in your entire life, no matter how good their life may seem, is suffering in some way. This is just a fundamental fact of life. No matter yeah. how rich you are, you're still going to get sick, still going to get old, still going to die, still going to have dreams that you had uh, you know, thought of for a long time dissolved before your very eyes you're going to lose loved ones like this is life yes yeah and what makes it better other people yeah no, like having somebody to share burden with uh really is underrated underrated yeah <laughs> I, I had to and think this, i was like i was like is it overrated i was like no it's it's not and like sometimes when i tell people that i'm like devoted to love people are like okay who is this hippie or like with pie in the sky idealist but most of my understanding is grounded in psychology, in neuroscience. And science shows that if somebody is in the hospital, lying in bed in pain, and they are able to hold somebody else's hand, like the hand of a loved one, their subjective feeling of pain decreases, right? It's soothing physiologically to feel connected to another person, another human being. And right. it's fundamental to our mental and emotional health. One of the base needs we need as people is a sense of belonging so that that makes sense yeah. it tracks yeah, another um, huge pet peeve of mine is maslow's hierarchy of needs like I, it's so wrong and empirically wrong and even yeah. maslow towards the end of his life was like yeah i probably shouldn't have put it in that order but it's still ingrained in so many people right that you know spiritual fulfillment or love and belonging is somewhere up here but our base needs are down here but that's not how it works that's not how human psychology works like we it's, need love and connection <laughs> just as much as we do need food shelter and you're right i i i've always seen we've well I've seen the pyramid before but <laughs> i like to think of it as like i like to, i don't even flip it i just like squash the pyramid I've, i put them all on the same level they're a solid base yeah. is what i say because without all of them, you you feel incomplete. You feel unsteady, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, Zach, I love where this is going. We're gonna take a quick little break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna we're gonna talk some more. We're just we're gonna talk about love. You know, it's just it's amazing. It's warm. It's sometimes gooey, like a nice chocolate chip cookie out of the oven. Like it's just it's beautiful. talking about love today um it's 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 a nice change of pace you know it's it's not we're we're we're, we're steering away from the dumpster fireside and focusing on being more functional uh adults today i know it's rare i know it's rare for me guys i know it's rare i'm trying to be better each day is a different day as i go back to this quote it's along the lines of like i'm not okay and you're not okay and that's okay like <laughs> listen it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> and, and that's true. We don't have to getting away from all the stereotypes that have been thrust upon us for who knows how long we don't, it's okay to need help and not have all of our stuff together. That's part of the compassion that Zach was talking about earlier. I have to ask is it takes a special type of person to become a coach. What made you originally want to become a love coach? Well, as I mentioned, my mission in life is to bring more love into the world. And many years ago, I set an intention to do that. And as soon as I began this path, I realized how hard it was going to be because mm -hmm. you can't go to, there's no love incorporated that you can apply to a job at. And there's, can't go to school yet to like major in love and minor in compassion and different things like that. So I realized I would have to carve out my own and kind of unique path that was in line with my heart and what I felt was right in terms of the work I wanted to do in the world. So coaching is one of the things that I do and it's really wonderful. And there's a few things as special as a coaching relationship because it's that one-on-one -on -one relationships that's so key because there is no one size fits all approach. Like I have some yeah. audio courses that people can take and some video courses about mastering our relationships and it's, it's useful. I want to, you know, people have been taking them and enjoying them, but um, what works for one person won't necessarily work for somebody else. And we're all, we all have our own stuff that we need to work through. So for those people that want that one-on-one -on -one work, that's where coaching comes in. And again, there's a few things as special and wonderful as a coaching relationship. 
because it's love really lovely to see people grow over time mm, yes and uh, to like get what they really want I do, I, they're not my kids but it's like i'm that like proud dad or like peewee soccer coach all over again once they like they get a score i'm like yeah like i get so excited for them yeah, because to see where they had sympathetic joy having so much trouble connecting or realizing what you really needed for you to start developing into a person who can start doing that analysis on their own and actually execute the ideas and theories that we gave them or the the coursework. That's the thing. Like as a love coach, like you want free relationship advice. Mm -hmm. That's this dime a dozen on the internet. So we don't, we don't give advice. The main intention is to empower people, people um, to help themselves. Right. And, and when you mentioned the being happy when your kid scores a goal too, that reminded me of another definition for love that I'll toss at you. And this comes from Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, because she did a lot of research into love and how it works on a physiological level. And she used the term positivity resonance, mm. where if two people care about each other's happiness, then guess what? They're going to res- resonate together, body, heart, and mind. And that resonance is going to take you to greater levels of joy and happiness and that can happen in any relationship so it happens in the coaching relationship like my goal is to love my clients from the bottom of my heart and that to me is key on the path of healing and growth to have those loving relationships even if they're professional ones your goal is just to bring more love into the world there's no limit that love should be shared or can take you know yeah, I think every, love has like, its own physics. Yes, <laughs> you it's don't like, have a hundred. It's a pounds. different universe of this, you know. Absolutely, it's a different set of rules. Um, but it's like it's constantly expanding, and it takes a lot of work to really like to dampen or like to to get rid of love. Because even when you're angry at a person, you still love them. <laughs> like, why would you, you know? do that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and this is how you know you really don't hate the person is because if you hated them, it wouldn't hurt so much when they don't meet or exceed the expectation that you had of them. Well, it, it's an interesting uh, take. Like, how might one go about, like, dampening love? Because there are certain societies, dictatorships, other things that only exist when, with, like, disconnected, atomized societies and or people that do evil things. And in order for them to do it, like, they have to not have a sense of of love and connection with their people around them because again i'm a little biased but i do find when you look at most societal ills it is a due to a lack of love and i usually specify a lack of too limited a love yeah um and that our goal is to expand our circle of compassion like you might go to war against another country because you love your country right what about their that country what about the children and people there right and i do think if you look at sexism racism classism nationalism it's all that you know in-group out-group bias that they call in psychology it's all that us versus them Mm because every society comes up with its own enemy that's that's them you know whether it's the immigrants or rather it's the gays or rather it's somebody like a certain in-group comes together to ostracize marginalize oppress certain out-groups so i do find that that expanding one's love uh, to greater and greater circles is the the ultimate task that we have for humanity if we are even to survive on this planet. We will be the we will be our own downfall if we uh, <laughs> if we don't if we don't change something. Yeah, yeah, that was the, the my latest podcast, my hundredth episode podcast was all about what it means to love the earth because like we're at a precipice right now if we yeah. don't dramatically change the way that. Um, society is structured like we could conceivably destroy the planet that sustains us also shout out to that we're not going to sleep and walk right past that 100 episodes that's huge <laughs> you know uh, we're, we're just like over the half halfway mark to like 100 so i i, okay. I know i know that it's a it's a big milestone yeah, I mean, I appreciate you having me on. I know podcasts are a lot of work that I've learned from my own podcasts. And it's true. I started mine when COVID happened because my past podcast is called Learn to Love. And it was a in-person workshop series where I would bring in educators uh, for my what I call Love School, the Heart Center, to do public programs and workshops and offerings. And in-person events stopped happening. So I was like, okay, I'll start a weekly podcast. So now 
Whenever like I hit a milestone, I'm like, wow, that's how long it's been since like COVID started, yeah. right? So it's been about 110 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the, the best calendar, you know. I love it. I love it. It's like, wow. a, yeah, I feel like COVID did nothing but wonderful things for the podcasting community. I think oh, okay. it, I think it almost single handedly brought it to life because there were like there were there were a boom of podcasts um, started like roughly around like the beginning of 2020, like the first couple like months end of 2019 or into 2020. So if if I had to attribute it to anything, it, it was you could either call it synergy or mm-hmm. COVID. Like something was to happen, like where everybody woke up, like within like a 30 day span and like, we need to start podcasting or COVID happened and everyone's like, okay, let's do something new. <laughs> what, what I mean, we t- all had to dramatically change our lives. Yes. And then a huge part of that was, yeah, shifting online, you yeah. know, so many offerings, jobs, and, you know, entire jobs and industries went switched online. Um, but as you probably found, it's been wonderful. Like I've been so happy to connect with people like you, people, wherever they are in the world, Mm -hmm. whatever time zone they are in and just have really incredible conversations. So, you know, there's always that silver lining. Yeah. It's been amazing. I tell people, I know COVID was meant to keep us inside for a bit, but it did nothing but expand my world. I've worked with so many people I never thought I would have met or had the opportunity to share a microphone with or a conversation with. So as crummy as it was, like there, there was a lot of good that came from that little era that we're still kind of hmm. coming out of the era yeah. of COVID. Yeah. You, you mentioned it earlier when you talked about the heart center. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? Cause you started that, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that. Well, as I mentioned, when I began this path, I realized living a life of love would be very hard because we don't live in a society that places it as much of a priority. But my goal is to change that. And unfortunately, love schools don't exist. And I want to change that too. So I started my own love school that I call the Heart Center. And I bring in educators, therapists, coaches um, to do public programs uh, all around developing the heart. So we've done everything from compassion cultivation trainings to nonviolent communication trainings to now it's a podcast, but before it was workshops, you know, entire workshop series and sometimes panel discussions and different things like that. And I've been waiting for public events to happen so I can finally do like a learn to love conference and different things like that. Um, But right now it's public programs uh, that people can take. So we always have new offerings coming up and I'm always on the lookout for just like, what are some bodies of knowledge? What are some programs that people can take in order to increase the love that they have for themselves? And it's been really incredible. We've had hundreds of people go through programs that we've offered. And I love, I always love graduation day. Like we've spent some time together cultivating the heart. And now we get to go out to our communities and our people's and be of better service to them. Yeah. It's like just one big domino effect. I get it. Yes, because we're all connected. And can I just can I tell you a story? Yeah. It's it's a, it's like a like a fairy tale story. Listen, those are the best stories sometimes. <laughs> um so it basically goes like this. One day the snow finch went up to the raven and asked the raven, how much does a snowflake weigh? And the raven says, nothing more than nothing. And the snowfinch says, wow, that's so interesting because last night it was snowing and I was counting each snowflake fall on this tree branch. Yeah. I counted to 32,580,052. And then as you said, one snowflake came down a weight of nothing more than nothing in the entire branch broke snowflake 32,580,053 and the snow finch flew off and then the raven sat there and he said hmm. and he thought to himself and said maybe all we need is one more voice for peace to come to this world such an amazing story 
Where did you, did you, did you make that story? Or did you hear that somewhere? Um, I've, you know, I, I tell a lot of stories and jokes in my classes and things, and I wish I could come up with such profound things. And I was just having a conversation with my friend. I'm like, where do these stories come it's from? Come, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I was like, I don't think I could have been a philosophy major because a, my thoughts are like too random and <laughs> I go on too many tangents, but B, I was like, there are a lot, there's a lot of profound stuff out here. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. I just, I was like, I'm just, I'm not that deep. Or if I am, <laughs> it's purely by accident. You know, I stumbled into the depth, you know? Well, that's, I think, I, you know, I think we live in a very individualistic society. And as a result, we blame like individuals for what are really societal failures, mm -hmm. you know, around poverty or drug addiction or different things like this. And, you know, but there's other ways of viewing the world other, that's more interdependent that recognizes the reality of interdependence or connection to realize that we, we are some of everyone that we've met in this life mm -hmm. right we're all speaking a language that was spoken to us we've all had countless teachers and other people that have helped us become the person that we are today and all of our ideas are the combination of everyone that we have ever met so one thing i just try to do is when i hear a lovely story is i just try to remember it so that i can then pass it on and i expect anyone i share it with to pass it on themselves I will, I will try. I think the hardest part about that story is the number of snowflakes, but I will. <laughs> well, you can will, make that up. I will try to keep the approximation <laughs> to as close to the original as possible. <laughs> I think like if I were to have a superpower, I think it'd be paraphrasing. Because mm. I don't, I, I, I rarely ever remember exactly what was said or happened, but I can paraphrase the heck out of everything. <laughs> Well, that's the oh. challenge, especially with stories or yeah. even jokes, you know, because you have to get the punchline. Punchline, right? right yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah, that's, and that's why I don't tell a lot of jokes. Um, it's all about the delivery. Yeah. Uh, no, but I think it's about time for my favorite section of the show. And that is the reverse icebreaker. You know, since we were just talking about snow snow and ice usually happen hand in hand so i, I mm -hmm. just it's the only logical place to go okay <laughs> so this is <laughs> What's uh, the reverse icebreaker it's i i call it the quickie questions uh it's kind of like a lightning round i just ask you about five to six questions they get a little more thought provoking as we go and it's just okay. a way for us to really get to know the man behind the ideas you know who, who, who's Zach really, you know, well, when I'm the cameras are still looking, you know, and uh, I'm just a mirror, but go ahead. I can... <laughs> Listen, then if it's just a reflection of me, then I'm here to learn. <laughs> um, the first question, super old, should be super easy um, since you've been engaged for a year and a half now. Uh, what was a really green flag when you met your partner? Mm, laughter laughter oh. I was literally telling somebody this maybe like two days ago sometimes a laugh or the energy that you bring that just makes it easy for you to laugh is, mm -hmm. is just enough it's that's a that's a that's a really big skill right there <laughs> you know being able that's the thing like you know a lot of times people are like what makes a good relationship you know happiness is one adventure and novelty is another and like all these things are just summed up in just like laughing together like yeah. you just you know it just feels good now we know that we don't love a hundred percent of you know anything so starting out in the early days was there anything that you thought was not quite a red flag not quite a red flag but you're like oh, it might take some adjustment to get used to this in, our, in my current relationship, I don't want to mm -hmm. get in too much trouble. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, because I, I, I'll, I'll just tell about the research and you can extrapolate it to what I might be saying about my current relationship, because it's very interesting. Um, there is kind of a sweet spot for this, basically when to get married. And this is just probability, right? So it's just mm -hmm. an averaging over cross couples. And then generally it's about 26 to about 31 years of age. But the people that get married at this point in their life end up having the longest relationships. And when you think about why that is, it's like, well, you don't want to get married too early on. 
And a lot of that has less to do with maturity and more just to do with financial stability. Right. As you want to be somewhat established in your career, somewhat uh, stable so that you can build a family and a, and a home together and you don't end up, you know, arguing, arguing too much about, about finances and different things like that. But having that additional time, additional experience has helped make the relationship go further on. Um, but then it's like, well, why aren't 35 year olds as good? And that why isn't like more age better? Why does it stop at like 31, 32? Or why does it mm-hmm. peak around this age? And the basic answer is, well, as we get older, we get a little bit more set in our oh, ways. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I, can definitely, I can definitely see that. We get, uh, especially like, you know, if you haven't been in like, you know, a long-term relationship, you know, then you probably you're very used to being on your own, being independent, not having someone around to challenge your ideas or ask why you put the milk in the fridge this way, for example. And um, and, you know, some of your, you know, neurological imprints are just a lot more in deep, deeply set. So um, so I'm on that 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 other end. I'm on that 35, 35 now. Mm, and I'm like okay. and I'm like a lot of our. Uh, the issues that come in, in up in relationships with this age, like, aren't going to be solved, right? Like the same kind of things that annoy me or annoy her at, at the beginning of the relationship, but it, it annoys us less, right? Like, right. we're not here to fix each other. We're here here to embrace our own imperfections, and um, and early on, you might try to change somebody, but as we've already talked about, uh, you can't love somebody and try to change them at the same time. Sure. Um, it's like what was this? What's the saying? If you love it, like let it go, or like let it be free. Yeah. Like and it's like that. Yeah. It's like yeah, being free doesn't mean it has to go away. It just means that you're allowing it to do its thing. Yeah. If you love something, let it free or let it be. If it doesn't come yeah. back, it wasn't meant to be. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to like younger Zach and tell him anything about like just being in a relationship or dating or love, what would that one thing be? Mm, buy Bitcoin. No, I'm just checking. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you'd be, you'd be in a really good position right now. <laughs> if your Bitcoin was just accumulating. Buy Apple stock. Actually, that's not even true. Cause as I already mentioned, um, material gain does not provide the lasting happiness that we so seek. It doesn't, uh, but it also it, it sometimes helps with you know let's be honest a lot of trouble that stems in relationships like we were mentioning is financial stability so having a little bit more of it not letting it be the end-all be-all but having a nice amount of it does decrease some of the issues you might have in a relationship yeah it's true <laughs> um so but <laughs> So, but what would I tell myself? And, you know, I find personally in my path, as I get older, I do resonate more with many of those lessons that you probably know on the top five regrets of the dying. And where this nurse, this hospice nurse was working with, with adults at the end of their lives and was asking them, you know, what are some of the biggest regrets that you've had? And I too, the more I think about this, the more I resonate with it. So one of them is like, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. <laughs> right. And there are times in my life where like, I didn't do something like for a friend, for a partner because of work. And I look back and I'm like, what were you doing? Like, you you know, you could take that day off. Like you work will, if you die tomorrow, your work will replace you the next day. Like, right. But your family, your friends, those are the ones that are going to need you so much. Uh, And so I really resonate with the one, with the, one of the regrets, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Um, And then another one on, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings more, right? This is, this is tough. I don't want to assume your gender or anything, but I'll just say it's tough for us guys a lot of times to, to express our feelings. And I do find that being vulnerable is also a skill. And the more we do it, the stronger we, we get and better at it. So just like any investment, the earlier you start yeah. <laughs> being happy, letting yourself be happy, having the courage to express your feelings and maintaining relationships with the people around you, that those have the greatest return, <laughs> the greatest ROI is yeah. still love. Yeah. 
um, what's one thing that you think that you could do better in your relationship? Um, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the interview, which is not bringing my expertise. No. <laughs> um, but because it all comes back to validation, empathy, and um, compassion. Okay. Uh, uh... I like to say there's no real right and wrong in a relationship um, like when you argue. Um, you're right. It's just about validation and possessing that empathy. Everybody just wants to be heard and feel like they're being intended to. Yeah. Um, you That can happen without the binary of, I felt this way. You did this thing to make me feel this way. That thing was bad. So you were wrong. Like, <laughs> n- no, like that's, that's, that's what I like to steer away from sometimes because that can hold people um, in, in place sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the biggest things we learn in couples coaching is that there isn't one objective reality you're trying to get people to agree on. There are two subjective realities. Both are real, both are valid, and your goal is to understand both of them. Exactly. And then the last question I have for you is what's love got to do with it? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been waiting to make that. What is love? Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Okay. You know what? That's where I'm going to go with this, with this question right now. Um, if you had to pick one song about love that you say would have to say is like, is your jam or your favorite? What would it be? A song? You say? Yeah. That's it's funny because I was on another podcast and they were like, "Oh, we can put any song we want in the middle of this episode. What song do you want?" And I was like, the only thing I could think of was the Beatles' "All You Need Is Love," and I was like, "Is that too cliche?" But what's so interesting because what's so interesting to me is we all need love, as I've mentioned many times before. Mm-hmm. We're social beings, which is why our most popular websites are social networks. And you look at 80, 90% of the songs on the radio and what are they all about? Love and unrequited love, right? Yes. And I recently wrote a blog post and I was like, it's amazing how quickly we go from like Adele's never found out, never thought I'd found someone like you to now you're just somebody that I used to know. (laughs) And it's all about the pain of love. And what you don't find is um, love songs that go past that initial like i'm so madly in love with you i can't stop thinking about you and not having you is the most painful thing in my life to um there's an unconditional love inside each and every one of us that we can cultivate and solve all the problems in the world <laughs> you don't find that one as often that's that's the new assignment all right that's gonna be my i'm gonna i'm gonna work on it uh we're just starting summer i'm gonna work on it. i'm gonna make it a summer anthem right on um no but before we get out of here zach let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on yeah thanks again so much joshua for having me and thank you listeners for listening my name is zach beach if any of the words that resonated with you any of the words i said resonated with you you can find me at zachbeach.com and i'm on all the social medias at zach beach love and i'm just super excited about my third poetry collection that i released this month I don't know when this gets released, but it came out in June. So I've been super excited about that. I've been reading and writing about this poetry in my blog and some other podcasts. So definitely check it out. It's called Pebbles. And it's all little gems, little nuggets of poetry wisdom. And it would warm my heart if anybody felt like purchasing that today. Listen, you saw all the knowledge that he dropped via parables and story I, I can't think of another synonym <laughs> so if if pebbles is anything like that you know it's going to be a bestseller you know it's going to be a must read you know our goal is by 30 to fill up our bookshelf so go get that go get that poetry book throw it on the shelf after you after you've read it and just <laughs> you know just uh keep enjoying love keep enjoying life remember to connect and be 
compassionate with everyone around you. And I will see all you beautiful people next week for another episode of the Not So Bad Bachelor Pad. If you wanna be, if you, if you wanna be, if you wanna be my lover, yeah.